Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are, wherever you're listening. Um, This is going to be another episode about my um, escape, (laughs) escape from my uh, narcissist. Where I left off on my last episode, I had essentially discovered that I was dealing with a narcissist. Like, I finally had a revelation, uh, whatever you want to call it, that I was living with a narcissist, and I had been for many, many years, and a lot of my thoughts, a lot of my thought processes, a lot of the a lot of the fear, a lot of the anxiety that I had been feeling um, was not necessarily of my own doing. Um, I started to realize I'm not crazy. Um, And um, then I had to figure out how to escape. Um, Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you were not as immersed as I was into a life, um, shared space, shared children, um, shared finances, um, everything being intertwined, um, and how do you really unravel all of that? It's not easy. Uh, it's extremely difficult. It's extremely terrifying, especially for someone who has now dealt with years of abuse and is trying to wrap their head around what they're hearing and what they're dealing with and researching, trying to find a solution to come up with one answer, um, which is got to go. You got to escape. You got to get out. It's the only answer. Um, You've got to go no contact or minimal contact, um, depending on your situation. My situation does not allow me to do um, no contact, which I know would be in, um, I know that would be the best for me, would be no contact. Um, I feel extremely triggered by uh, many things that my narcissist still does to this day. Um, She has a way to, you know, speak down to me, um, or try to belittle me, uh, put herself on a pedestal. There's, there's, there's a bunch, a bunch of little subtleties, um, that can really screw with someone psychologically. So if you are not in a situation where, um, your narcissist has fully intertwined your lives yet, um, this is really good news for you, and um, thank your lucky stars, thank Lord Jesus above, whatever you believe in, um, you know, and get out, you know, so so that's, that's, that's your warning, um, doesn't get better from here if you stick around, uh, there's no answers, it's, it's hard to hear that, but there isn't, um, and how do you go about um, taking that down, 
um, that life that you've created. Um, and that's where I was. Um, that's where my mindset was once I discovered these things. Um, you know, you, you, with me, I had to still be around this person. At this point, I'm isolated from my family um, physically. Um, I'm starting to communicate with my sister and my other sisters and my parents. Um, not often, still, um, but with one sister who I felt to be an extremely supportive um, figure in my life, um, who I trusted dearly, and I knew she would not betray that trust. Um, and she understood what I was dealing with, um, which I think is, is, is extremely important. Um, cause a lot of people don't understand and trying to wrap your head around all of this and trying to give a nutshell version to somebody who doesn't fully understand. Honestly, you might just be wasting your breath unless it's somebody that you want to let into your life and, and trust them. Um, now, if there's somebody um, who's gone through it before, um, they're a lot more open to that communication and understanding and recognition of the fact that you are um, not an idiot. <laughs> You're not stupid for getting involved with a person like this. Um, a lot of times what happens with people who have never experienced this type of abuse, um, they tend to, you know, societally, we tend to turn to victim blaming a lot. Um, and well, how either a, it's kind of like, well, if I was in your shoes, I would do X, Y, Z, you know, I would do blah, blah, blah. Like that's stupid for you to stick around this long. Like, why would you put up with that? Uh, that kind of talk, you know, and then they start blaming you. Um, I've experienced that a lot and it's really hard to not just blow up on someone and start, you know, mother effing them and be like, fuck you, man. You don't know what I've gone through. Like, you have no effing clue what I've been through. And for me to try to summarize that, I actually had an experience with a coworker, um, and I don't see him all the time, but I was at a location um, of one of my stores that I, um, you know, for my job, what I, what I, what I do, I, I do go to a lot of different locations. So I was at one of the locations and I was communicating with someone that I do have a longstanding relationship with and does understand my scenario. Um, and, um, they said the word narcissist, um, in accordance to, um, someone else that had previously worked there that, um, definitely showed symptoms of, I cannot say that person was a full narcissist, but, you know, that's kind of what we were discussing. And one of the guys overheard that and he was like, oh, go fuck yourself. Like, like narcissism, the word of 2020. And it got me thinking like, hell yeah, it's the word of 2020. Like, you know, we dealt with, you know, six years of a narcissistic, you know, commander in chief. Um, and it like the full spectrum of the mental disorder has been on display for the world to see the world to see. Um, you know, from the lies to the deceit, to the embellishments, to the scandal after scandal and cover-ups and the fact that like even caught red handed, there's still a way to wiggle your 
yourself out of these issues and and it's just it's just absolutely you know correct it is the word of 2020 but he was viewing it as a negative thing like everyone's a narcissist now now all of a sudden everyone's a narcissist and i've been called a narcissist before and i go well maybe you are one <laughs> you know i mean you know he seemed to be pretty triggered by the fact that you know narcissist is such a popular word now that might have just been me reacting because i have dealt with someone who's clinically um checks every box for narcissism um multiple times over um so to see somebody get so bent out of shape over a word um you know was hard for me to kind of hold my tongue um especially when i'm in a position of, of leadership and i don't want to make people angry you know i mean uh, getting in a yelling match with somebody on the store floor would probably not be a great idea so i just kind of let it go um but you run into that you know and you'll run into people um you know well that's bullshit i wouldn't put up with that i'd leave her ass or i'd leave his ass like that's stupid why would you do that you know that's that's not your fault like none of it's your fault it doesn't matter how smart you are it doesn't matter how educated you are um it doesn't matter anything like if you've never dealt with these people like you can get sucked in the next thing you know like you're, you're trapped you feel trapped you're not you're never trapped but you you can definitely feel trapped because to exit that relationship is such a tall mountain to climb and so anyway i'm i'm going on a tangent here um so i discovered i had you know my epiphanous moment discovered that she was a narcissist and um didn't know how to escape i definitely put up a wall um i started talking to my sister and coming up with plans of what to do how to get out um big thing during that time was when I first discovered I did make the mistake of calling her a narcissist. I did directly call her that. Um, next thing you know, she starts looking up or at least, you know, Googling what exactly is involved with narcissism. So she learned a lot of new phrases to try to manipulate the situation with me um, by doing so. And then, you know, instantly calling her mom, um, instantly calling her you know, quote unquote friends, um, basically giving the sad story of, you know, her being this sheepish, poor victim that, you know, I'm so mean and I'm such an asshole. And, you know, I called her a narcissist. He's the narcissist. I'm not the narcissist, you know, this back and forth. And then, you know, she starts looking up, oh, gaslighting. So anything I would do, no matter what it was, even if it didn't like actually correlate to, to the actual definition, you know, stop gaslighting me, stop gaslighting me, stop projecting, you're projecting, um, stop triangulating the situation. Um, and a lot of times, like, none of them would even remotely come close to reality. Um, you know, if I would confide in somebody with any information about my situation, um, and she caught wind of it through a friend of a friend or something like that, or even if it was just the slightest thing, like, oh, yeah, um, you know, Phil said, you guys are, are not doing great. You know, I hope everything works out. Next thing you know, um, what did you tell them? Why are you triangulating? You're such a narcissist. And 
Um, that's why you don't call a narcissist a narcissist, because then it's going to drive you absolutely bananas, and then they're going to try to pin it on you and make you seem even crazier than you are, which will also, you know, make you really question your life. <laughs> am I? Am I the narcissist? You know, and the, the back and forth cycle continues of, of abuse while they're sitting there berating you, and the more they say it, the more you start to believe it, the more you start to change your perception, because they're so confident and arrogant with the things that they say, um, next thing you know you're stuck again, you know, but I did, I did kind of recognize my mistakes after reading some more and it's like, oh crap, I should have never done that. Um, that's okay. Whatever. Let's move forward. What can we do from here? And luckily this whole time I had a good support system with my sister that I could bounce ideas off of. And, um, you know, I got, it got to a point where anytime I was at work or something like that, and if I was going to be five minutes late for work, you know, it was the end of the world. And, you know, I was probably screwing someone in a parking lot somewhere, um, you know, because I'm the most attractive person in the world. I can just go ahead and scoop someone up on the side of the road. And next thing you know, we're having sex in my van or something stupid. Like, it's just stupid. Like, it's totally just paranoia. Um, but, you know, five, five minutes late, you know, look out. I would go to the grocery store and I was, you know, had... I did it too often, even though, you know, she was the one that asked me to go to the grocery store, I was probably cheating on her. Um, and these types of things just kind of amped up during this period. Um, I think possibly because she could see me pulling away emotionally um, and getting more and more distant um, and her trying to kind of, you know, keep that control. And I think she could feel her control slipping. Um, so she was requiring more of my time, requiring more of my attention. Um, to like details of the house of, you know, fixing the garden, mowing the lawn, doing all these things. But if I'm not doing, if I'm doing all these things, next thing you know, now there's something else in the house that goes wrong. Um, now I need this. Now I need that. Now I need this. Now I need that. Um, it was just this constant demand and need for me to be doing something for her at all times, you know, under the guise that it was really for her anyway, or for the children or for the family or the household or whatever it was, there was always a good, you know, a quote unquote good reason for it. Um, there was always a reason she couldn't do it. Um, and if I missed something up, you know, if I was too focused on the yard, then I wasn't focused on the dishes and then the laundry. And then the, you know, there was always something that wasn't done properly on time. Um, if food was you know, eaten, and I hadn't put away the dishes. Um, the second she asked me, five minutes later, um, I'm getting yelled at for um, being lazy because I didn't do them exactly when she asked me to do them, even though I was on a secondary project that she had me doing. Um, so these types of things were really difficult to keep my mouth shut on, especially since I was kind of going through this discovery phase of, of, you know, finding out what a narcissist is. And so as she's displaying all these things, it's like, oh, that's typical. Oh, that's typical. So in a way it made it easier for me to ignore. And on the other hand, it made it really hard for me to bite my tongue and not just kind of blow up on that person and tell them that, you know, that's projection. That's, you know, you're, you're projecting that, you know, you're afraid I'm cheating you on you. Well, guess what? You cheated on me. You're projecting these fears of things that you're 
either doing or considering or have done in some form or fashion. And that fear and loss of control is, is guiding you to project these emotions onto me. Um, the triangulation that she discusses is really because she was trying to, you know, keep me isolated and complete her smear campaigns without my knowledge. Um, and when she finds out that I say anything to anyone, next thing you know, she throws, it's, I, I always say it's like, you know, it's like a plate of spaghetti. It's like, she's just throwing a bunch of shit against the wall, seeing what's going to stick. Most of it's going to hit the ground. But if you give her or him an inch of any actual useful information, you know, cause they'll, they'll say a bunch of stuff. You know, when I was going through all that, she started accusing me of being on Tinder, of being on Ashley Madison, of being on Bumble, of being on all these dating sites. My friend saw it. My friend saw it. I'm, my friend saw it. If I actually had been on one of those dating sites, um, I probably would have been like, shit, she knows something. And then I would have sweated out and confessed, but I didn't. <laughs> I had kept my nose clean. So I knew for a fact she was full of shit. And then it started to make me realize like, and I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of stress. There was a lot of anxiety building in her of just random accusations. You know, she hacked into my email address and started looking at stuff. And, you know, a lot of times I feel like, especially as a male, you get a lot of, um, BS advertisements about, you know, uh, erectile dysfunction or, um, even just fake accounts like, is that you? Where have you been? Um, you know, but then they'll give, they'll say your name wrong and be like Andy or something stupid. Like, you know, it's just like trying to take you to these like porn sites or dating sites or whatever. Like, you know, I, I had had a, the email address I had at the time, I finally, I still use, but mainly for junk mail, but I'd had that since, I don't know, probably the nineties, um, at least like late nineties at the least. Um, and I never changed it. So, you know, you, you go to one website and you put in that you're a male and you put your age over 18. The next thing you know, like all this stuff just comes flooding into your inboxes. So like at some point, you know, after being 18 and you like go to this website to do a, to do a quiz about something stupid, like, you know, who knows your information gets out there. Next thing you know, you're getting flooded with BS emails. But in her mind, it was proof that I was cheating on her, you know, and was trying to kind of catch me up. And she was basically trying to see if I was actually doing these things. So she was throwing everything out there. And at that point, I kind of saw her for what she was and recognized she's just throwing a bunch of allegations at me to see if I'll admit to anything. Um, so don't fall for that trap. Um, you know, and the more you talk, the more guilty you look in their mind, um, the more you try to deny it. So I would just come back with prove it, prove it. Every time she would say something, okay, your friend saw that. Did she take a screenshot? Did she take a screenshot of my profile on Bumble or Tinder or Plenty of Fish or whatever other ones? You're saying you saw them. Why would you not take a screenshot of that? Like, why would you not show me proof? Like, if I'm so caught red-handed, where's your proof? 
There was no proof. I know there's no proof. You're lying to me. Shut up. Like, leave me alone. You know? Um, but I, I mean, with all that and me distancing myself, I still had no out. Um, I still had no way to get out. You know, my family's so far away. I have no close friends um, because any close friends that I had eventually didn't really want to be my close friends once they met her and they saw my dynamic with her, you know, we would hang out outside of her occasionally, but that wasn't really allowed, um, unless it was things she didn't know about. Um, so I didn't really hang out with anybody, um, for fear of fighting with her. Um, I mean, I could probably name the handful of times I went out without her. One of them was when my best friend, um, one of my best friends came into town from Arizona and that started a fight. Um, one of them was when one of my close friends got married and I went out for his bachelor party and came home five minutes late. Um, that started a fight. Um, and I came five minutes home late based on the, um, curfew that I was given. Um, they stayed out till three or four in the morning. I came back at 1105. You know, she wanted me back by 11. I could only be out till 11. So I didn't get to do, you know, the whole, they all kind of got a limousine stretch limo type thing and, and were able to get dropped off home safely. I had to drive behind them and, um, didn't really get to experience it the, the way that everyone else did and have a good time with their friends. Um, there was no strip clubs. There was no craziness. Um, it was just a normal bachelor party of a guy getting married and hanging out with his friends. Um, but you know, um, that's not how a narcissist views it. I mean, at a bachelor party, I mean, that's just like, I mean, that's just like the most paranoid, terrifying, terrifying thing on the planet. But I did kind of put my foot down on wanting to go out. Um, and I did agree to a curfew. Um, and I came home five, 10 minutes late somewhere in that ballpark based on, she said, leave at this time. And I, um, did. But then when I got home, she said, I told you to show up at this time. I told you to be home by this time, not to leave by this time. Um, again, communication breakdowns, um, are going to be used to their advantage. Um, again, another form of gaslighting, any kind of attempt to change or rewrite history, especially of subtle things, um, is, is, you know, pretty commonplace. You'll really start questioning your own memory, your own thoughts, even things that you were, you were pretty adamant about. So I still had no way. Um, at my work, I was progressing, um, very positively. Um, I was, I surrounded myself with people at work that didn't know her. I could kind of be myself, um, and be my quirky, creative, you know, silly, optimistic person that I am. Um, and then I just had to go home to this dark darkness, you know, this, this anxiety riddled, um, mess of a home life, which was, which was difficult. So I actually was really excited to go to work. Like you want to be excited to go to work, but you want to be excited to go to work because you love your job, not because you're so excited to get away from your other life. Um, you know, but anyway, um, I was starting to do well there. Um, 
I had opportunities to get promoted within the company, but I had to do some training and then that could potentially lead to something else. So I decided to go get this training and see if I could take on this additional role, um, kind of on a, you know, temporary, see how it goes type role. Um, so I did that and I drove to, uh, Syracuse, New York, um, did some training with another guy that lived in Buffalo. Um, and the two of us were both doing the trainings for different areas in our cities. Um, and you know, we were talking and he was talking about his ex and well, I know he was going through a lot of stuff and we really clicked. We really connected. Um, we didn't work the same locations together and we never really communicated. Um, but while we were kind of going through the training, it was pretty loose. It was pretty, you know, open-ended and we had time to discuss and go to lunch. And when we were at lunch, um, you know, I kind of told him my situation a little bit and what I had discovered. Um, and then just, you know, some of the like major points that you would probably try to elaborate on when you're talking to someone who, doesn't understand what you're going through, but he was very open and very, um, you know, kind and trusting. And I felt comfortable enough to discuss it with him. So I did. Um, and then he just said, dude, why don't you move in with me? I live in a kick-ass part of town, like downtown, it's a hot spot, cool area, real hip. Um, you know, he was kind of going through stuff with his missus, but, uh, she, uh, he was still kind of, living there, but then he rented this apartment, um, to use as a home office. Um, and so he, he was like, you know, we fight probably once a week. And when we fight, I just go stay the night there. And he's like, but otherwise like that place is like completely wide open. Nobody really stays there. And he's like, you could pretty much have the rule of the roost there. You don't, you know, you just split the rent with me and we call it a day. Um, you know, he eventually ended up, it started getting too bad there. He ended up moving in, um, a few months later, but, um, I took, obviously now that I said that, I realized I just kind of told you, but yeah, I took, I took the, the, I took the apartment. It was like crazy because during that time I'd been sleeping on the couch. Um, and then I got to the point where I was so paranoid and she was getting so angry at me so often. And she would say things like, then just divorce me, then just move out already. God, why don't you just move out? Like she could feel that there was tension. She could feel that she was losing me. So she would say these things thinking that I would be like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. But it just pushed me further away. Um, you know, God, I just, oh, I just want a divorce. Like, can't this just be over? And then she would go through these times where she'd be like, I'll just leave. I'll leave. I'll leave you with the kids. They like you better anyway. You know, and then she would say things like, I'm going to kill myself and all these other crazy things. So I have audio recordings of, of when I finally ended it. But during that time, I, I discovered, um, I was kind of to the point to where before I met this person that I, that offered me a, a, an apartment shortly before that, I was talking to my sister on the phone. We were kind of going over tactics and techniques to kind of keep me clean, keep my nose clean, um, doing what I needed to do to try to like find an apartment, move out, do something like, how can we save money on the side? Like, you know, my job at the time, like there was a lot of potential to move up, but, um, financially, um, I was kind of, 
living with someone who was very good at funneling money out of my account and utilizing it to her advantage, or there would be arguments and it was just really difficult to save money or do anything because there was always something that needed to be bought. Um, and I was her, I was her, I was her bank, you know, I was her way to make money and not have to actually do anything. Um, so, and I mean, and it, you know, and if I didn't do it, then there was fights and there was screaming and there was, you know, you don't care about me and blah, 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 blah. So, um, yeah, I was there at the house by myself and she had taken the boys on a vacation, like on a camping trip. And I decided not to go. I wanted to work. I wasn't doing very good at work. I didn't want to be around her. Um, I didn't think that it was safe for me to do so, being isolated with her. At this point, I had eventually moved from the couch to the basement because it had gotten so hostile. I felt that I needed to live an even more separate life, and our basement was finished enough. We had a you know big TV down there, and a really nice sectional, and you know, um, and it allowed me um, a little bit more comfort that she would not basically kill me in my sleep. I mean, that's to the point I was at, you know, um, getting terrified that she could physically harm me um, in my sleep. Um, you know, I started doing research on people that were narcissists, and then I started doing research on cult leaders. Um, I mean, I listen to this podcast called Cults, and pretty much every single cult leader displays narcissistic um, symptoms very strongly. I mean, it's it's crazy. Some of the serial killers are like, you know, men that go mad or women that go mad or like, you know, um, family murders where there's, you know, full murder and then suicide afterwards. I mean, there's just a lot, a lot of really terrifying things when you look into it. And a lot of these types of things have major, major malfunctioning mental disorders at the forefront of these horrible things. So I'm starting to realize all this. And so I distance myself even more, put myself in the basement where I would be able to hear her um, in the middle of the night. If there was to be any kind of activity above the house, I could hear, and then I could hear, you know, coming into the, like, it would be loud enough for me to, to wake up. Um, that was my theory anyway, and it just gave me a little bit more distance away from her to where I felt private. Um, I didn't have to worry about her waking up and going to the bathroom um, while I'm on the couch in the living room and having her, um, you know, say catty, rude remarks to me, which is what happened typically in the middle of the night. She'd get up and go do something, and then she'd be like, why don't you stop being a lazy piece of shit and do the rest of the dishes um, at like three in the morning, you know, just to, just to talk shit. Um, like it was, it was, it was horrible. So all this was going on. I was kind of discussing these, these issues with my sister. And then I was just kind of like, I feel like I want to do something. I don't know how good I feel about it. Um, but it's been something that's really been nagging at me because I feel like there's something going on. Um, she was starting to go out more with friends and really she was distancing herself as well. And she would go out late and come home late because, you know, 
there's a double standard there. I can't go out with my friends, but she can go out until two in the morning and not me ever question what she does, even remotely. So, um, so this was happening. Um, they went on a camping trip. I stayed home and I was talking to my sister and I said, I think I want to do this. Um, and she was like, what, 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 what do you want to do? And she's kind of like, I don't know, like, ah, what's happening? And so I was just kind of like, I, she left her laptop. I really want to access her laptop. I really want to. I turned on her Google Photos on her phone when she first got her phone set up. I just kind of flipped it to where Google Photos is on. Google Photos backs up your photos. And I knew her Gmail account was linked on her laptop, which meant any photos that were on her phone are viewable on the laptop. Once she connects to Wi-Fi, it automatically backs it up. So everything she's doing, photos-wise, even if she deletes it off of her phone, it's still backed up to Google Photos. And she didn't even know how to use Google Photos. So I knew if there was anything, like there would be answers there. And there were answers there. There was a lot of answers there. Um, there were nude photos. There were um, a lot of like really raunchy memes, um, like porn type memes about um, kind of like just sexual deviancy type things. Like nothing, nothing that we had ever gotten to be at a comfortable level with um, sexually. Um, there was screenshots that she had captured of text messages between guys that she had been talking to um, that were, I don't think she, either A, she took screenshots to send to her friends about some guy she's talking to, or B, um, she accidentally took a screenshot and backed it up automatically. Um, I don't know. Um, but there were about at least three or four guys she was talking to. Um, went on her Facebook, and there was a couple more. Um, one of them being the guy that she previously had um, snuck out of the house to go see that paid for the abortion. Um, that guy she had been back in communication with. Um, so I knew, like, that was just kind of, there was a lot there, but a lot of the pictures were just of her. It wasn't of her and anyone else. There were no pictures of her kissing anyone else or anything like that. Um, but there were a lot of very sexual poses. Nothing she'd ever sent me. Nothing that she would even, like, we never even really did that. Um, I think maybe once or twice she did when I was out of town for work. Um, but, like, not to the extreme that it was in the photos. Um, she's not doing that for her own pleasure. Um, so that was kind of like my uh, come to Jesus moment. Like, aha, I have you red-handed. Um, I've got people's names. I know you're communicating with guys. Now I know you're taking pictures, you know, and one of them was like, oh, is that your new, you know, one of the, one of the screenshots of the guys she was talking to is like, hey, good morning, beautiful. Or are these the new lingerie pictures you were telling me about? You look so hot, you know, and stuff like that. And her, you know, oh, 
thank you so much, hee hee hee, you know, kind of bullshit. Um, so even if she'd never physically been with anyone else, which I um, do not believe because there was guys that, you know, a guy specifically that, you know, she was talking to that I found messages on that were basically along the lines of, you know, like, we should hook up tonight, we should meet up tonight, and blah, 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 or, like, last week, uh, you know, I'm touching myself thinking about you, and, um, you know, I can't wait to see you next week, and stuff like that, so it's not like they, like, openly said, like, I had a really good time fucking you, or anything weird, but, um, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty clear that she had been fooling around with one guy specifically, and the funny thing is, you know, she kind of just told the truth about where she was going on a few occasions because she would go with her friends to a restaurant um, and she would tell me the name of the restaurant. Then I come to find out when I did some research on this guy she'd been speaking to that he was a worker at that restaurant. So he was one of the head waiters or something like that or bartender or something. He worked there. He was one of the head guys that worked there. So she was telling me the truth. She was going out with her friends to this restaurant, but she wasn't staying with her friends. She was going out and then going somewhere else, quote unquote, you know, afterwards with, with this guy to his house, to a bar, to wherever, you know, um, there was a lot there. Um, and when I discovered that I'm like, hell yeah, this is the smoking gun that I've been waiting for. I kept it to myself. They came back. I didn't say a word. I just let it go. Like, it's funny. Like most people that would catch their significant others cheating would be really angry. Like I was pumped. Like I was begging to find something on that computer. Just give me a reason. Give me a fucking reason. Just give me one. You know, um, I had plenty. I had multiple at that point. And that was huge. Now, how do I get out? I think the big reason I wanted something like that was because... I felt weak and I didn't feel supported. Um, and I knew that if I didn't have a good reason to leave her, um, she would find a reason to Hoover and Hoover and Hoover and not leave me the hell alone. And I knew that would even be more difficult, which I was still willing to do. But having that smoking gun, I think kept her off my back on the reason as much, because I don't think she wanted to be outed for what she was. Um, and the other times that I had moved out, I didn't really have a full support system in doing so. You know, one of the times I was living with my friend, but then I had to move out of that house and he let me stay with his parents. And another time I was living with this guy, but his wife had just left him and he was going through a depression and he had his own mental disorders going on with depression and he started drinking a lot and then he ended up moving back in with his parents so he wouldn't keep drinking so then he left that apartment um so then i was left with nowhere to go so where do i where did i go back to the person that was hoovering me for the past three months um you know so there was just a lot a lot of 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 bad situations because i didn't have a support system um, but this time it was a really good scenario because the guy that I met fast forward a little bit said, I told him all this stuff. You know, I kind of told him about like, I just caught her, you know, I just found out she's cheating on me. I'm actually kind of pumped about it. Now I just need to find a place to go. Like now I need to find a place to go. And then he was kind of like, bro, move in with me. I'm never there. 
it's at a hip hot location like you know and for me being in an area that was very social seemed very appealing because the other times I had done it I was going to the country you know the other two times was like kind of not a hip area not a fun location not a place where you could easily go socialize with friends um it was out in the country or you know living with my friend's parents which was super weird you know being an adult male that's married and has children living with someone's parents is not really a scenario you want to be at that's not a place you want to be at in your life there's it's just it's just not so um this is a good scenario he wasn't going to be there i was going to kind of have the place to myself but even if I didn't feel like being social, I mean, it was such a busy area. I could just look out the window and see, like, life. I could see people. I could see happiness. I could see, you know, just, 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 you know, camaraderie amongst, you know, humans living their normal lives, um, you know, free of being, you know, kind of enslaved by a narcissist in my mind, you know. So it was, it was just really kind of an ideal situation. So I jumped on it. I jumped on the opportunity. Um, you know, I, I actually, after, after that, he was like, dude, you could move in tonight. You could move in tomorrow. You could move in whenever. So I drove back, um, from Syracuse. Um, he's like, let me know. Um, I thought about it and I texted him. I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to do it. I'll let you know when he said, okay. And so the next day after he offered me that apartment, um, we got into another argument um, because we got into an argument every day. So I figured I would just kind of wait until the right moment. Um, but, you know, she kind of started in about something and I just kind of was, I don't know, I think I was probably a little snarky because I had information on her she didn't know I had. Um, and she said something about her friends or my friends or something like that. And then I was like, what about your friends? Your friends aren't the best, you know? Um, tell me what you do at the, you know, and then I named the restaurant. Tell me what you do there. Tell me what you do there. Who do you see again? Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. You know, and then I kind of name dropped the person that she'd been speaking to. And I was like, well, what about this guy? Um, and her face kind of changed. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, you don't, you don't, you don't remember doing this. You don't remember how he made you feel and how you had to keep touching yourself when you were thinking about him. You don't remember any of that. Like that doesn't ring, none of that rings a bell. That's weird. You know? So I was kind of being snarky, but I was really angry because again, she had gotten me angry about something and I felt justified. Um, and then she was like, why are you talking like this? Why are you acting like this? This is weird. And I was like, it's because I'm leaving you. I'm done. I'm done. You've been unfaithful, you've been dishonest, and I'm done. And then she was kind of like, good, good, leave, you know, and tried to act tough. Um, and then when, I think when she realized, like, I was actually going to do it, she kind of lost her mind. Um, during a lot of that time, once I discovered she was a narcissist, I also recorded a lot, like audio recording. So I would turn on the audio recorder on my phone when things got too heated. Um, I recorded a couple times after she had hit me, um, pulled my hair, took chunks of my hair out, bit me. Um, I would put it on audio or on video recording and say, this is what just happened. So I started documenting, 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 um, kept screenshots of all my text messages, anything. Um, 
everything that was showing like the constant psychological damage that she was doing, the physical damage, the verbal damage, like anything like financial damage. Um, I was tracking it all, um, to kind of build up to this point to like really have like documentation of, of all of this. Um, because I knew eventually at some point I would use it how, when, you know, and all that stuff was way too early to be determined, but I, I was prepping just in case. Um, and so I recorded our conversation. So it's very vivid to me because I've listened to that multiple times. Um, when I told her I was going to leave her, um, it was really hard, um, at that point because then she started going pretty crazy. She started screaming. Uh, she started, uh, stomping her feet, um, physically stomping her feet, like stomping on the ground as loud as she could, screaming that she was going to kill herself, saying that she's so unlovable, started speaking in like third person and like, you know, nobody's going to love you. Uh, you're so unlovable, like screaming it at the top of her lungs. Um, and then she started hitting herself on the head. Um, luckily she didn't leave any bruises. She wasn't punching her face. I think part of it is she's too vain to actually do that, but I'm happy she didn't because then, you know, she could have started punching herself for all I know and then call the cops and say that I was abusing her. Um, you know, the kids were home when all this was happening. Um, and she was just kind of was going on a tangent. I asked them to go play outside. They were playing outside with a water hose for a while. And, you know, she was just storming around like, I'll leave, I'll leave. You know, I can leave. You don't get to do this to me. You don't, you don't deserve this, blah, blah, blah. You know, when do you plan on leaving and all this stuff? And I should be the one to go. They don't want me anyway. Um, all this stuff. And, and, uh, you know, when I, 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 I think at one point the audio recording stopped because she was calling her mom and he's leaving me and blah, blah, blah. Then her mom starts freaking out because I think her mom knows that she's crazy. Um, and I think her mom was terrified because she knows as long as I'm there, I'm going to take the brunt of the abuse. I'm going to take all the financial burden. And now who does she have to go to her mom? Her mom will never disown her. Her mom will never leave her side. So now her mom's going to have to stomach all of it. She didn't want that. Her mom had always consistently, anytime we fought, anytime I said I was going to leave, consistently call me and try to talk me out of it. Um, and it worked. Like almost every time she would always talk me down and make me feel comfortable. And then I'd go back, you know, um, but she, she was, you know, her mom was like, if she's that bad, bring the kids over here, you know? So I was going to bring the kids over there, which I ended up doing, but, um, you know, she was screaming at the top of her lungs. My youngest son at the time, uh, ran behind a chair where there was a giant bin of Legos and was curled up in a ball crying, rocking back and forth in the bin of Legos, which I'm sure was extremely uncomfortable. And then my older son went back there too. Um, I ended up going back there and the whole time she's in the other bedroom, she's in the bedroom, just screaming at the top of her lungs. And I went back there and I started holding both of them, just rocking back and forth, letting them know, like, none of this is your fault. It's all okay. None of this is your fault. You know, I'm going to get you out of here. Let's go to your nannies. You know, none of this, you know, just, I just kept repeating myself. None of this is your fault. None of this is your fault. I love you. I love you. I love you. Um, I'm sorry this is happening. I love you. 
Um, so, I mean, it was just, it was just ramblings of massive narcissistic injury, losing her supplier, um, the person she could basically take full advantage of and abuse and not understanding that's what was happening and all the fears of abandonment and abandonment issues and all this stuff started coming out. You know, she started saying that I was leaving her, that I was abandoning her, I was abandoning the children and, you know, I, that I was calling her a whore and that I was calling her unlovable and I was calling her a bitch. And like, I never said any of those things. Those were deep, deep, deep seated feelings that she had about herself that was coming out in this, this way that I never had even put any of those on her. But because I found out she was cheating on me, I was now calling her a whore, which I didn't say. I said, you're being unfaithful and I know you're being unfaithful and you're cheating on me and I know you're cheating on me and I have the proof and I'm leaving you. And then it just, it just escalated so quickly. It was unbearably crazy. And I'm not saying crazy in a derogatory way. Like it was legitimately like the ramblings of just someone that had a hundred percent lost their marbles and just like was having like a massive freak out panic attack, you know, breakdown, like psychological breakdown, um, bad. Um, her mom called, asked if I could get the kids out of there. I went inside. She didn't want me to take the kids. I said, her mom called and I'm going to take the kids over there. Well, where are you going? I'm not coming back. Not tonight. I'll come back for my stuff later. Um, which is what I did. I dropped the kids off at her mom's house. Her mom tried to talk to me. I wanted nothing to do with it. I started yelling at her mom because her mom was yelling at me, telling me that I was a scumbag. And I was like, you know, told her she was cheating on me. And then she kind of chilled out. Um, I was like, I have proof. I've got photos. I've got videos. I've got, um, you know, screenshots of communication back and forth between guys. I've got all these things. Like, I've, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm not going back to that. I'm not doing it. I'm not putting myself through this abuse any longer. And I didn't. And I left. Um, and it was, I knew it was going to be hard, but I was actually feeling really good about it. But then the kids were there. And it kind of just slipped out. Like, I couldn't hold it in any longer. And then next thing you know, like, I mean, I knew she would be upset. But with the kids being there, I thought, maybe it wouldn't be as bad as it was. And it was hell. You know, she started telling the kids, your dad's leaving me. He doesn't want to be with us anymore. Um, just doing so much damage to these kids. So much damage. <sighs> Irreparable damage. And I'm going to have to be working on that with them for the rest of their lives, probably and trying to repair those wrongs and those pains and those hurts that's going to be misplaced and it's going to be misdirected because I feel like a lot of it, they're kind of viewing me as the enemy um, because they live with her the majority of the time. 
And during the pandemic, guess who was there to scoop him up? And guess who was there, who was not there because the narcissist pushed me out of the picture? You know, I mean, I'm not able to be reliable in their mind because of what this narcissist has been doing to push me out. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Um, I mean, that was up to where I left her. Um, then I, I, I mean, there's so many details again that, that I could speak about for hours. I really wanted to, to jot every single thing down, but, um, major bullet points, you know, I mean, I think I hit those at least. I moved out. I mean, I moved into a house with no furniture, and I never felt more free in my entire life. All that was there was a couch. I slept on a couch until I was able to get a blow-up mattress like a few days later when my, I got paid, and then I was sleeping on an air mattress for a while. You know, um, the other guy didn't live there. He just slept on the couch when he would want to crash there for the night. Um, then he ended up moving in. We were both sleeping on blow-up mattresses. Um, then uh my older son ended up getting a new bed, so he had a queen-size bed that was in there, so I ended up taking that. So then I got a bed, then I started to get more stuff and slowly but surely rebuild my life. and Utensils and sh products and, you know, all this stuff, but, I mean, I didn't give a shit. I could have been sleeping in an alley. I did not care as long as I never had to hear her, you know, BS again. Obviously, we have kids, so I have to continue to hear it, but guess what? I don't got to sleep next to it. I don't got to worry about if I'm going to wake up or if I'm going to be dead when I fall asleep, which was a legitimate fear of mine. You know, I mean, I really didn't care. I was, I will always um, have a very special place in my heart for that guy that helped me out. Um my friend that uh, didn't really even know me and was completely just so open like dude just live here like that's a really bad situation you got to get out of that like get out of that what are you doing like get out like stay with me I don't care like even if you don't pay rent for the first month like give me the next month let's go like get in here like immediately don't waste any more time like that was a huge support for me made me feel comfortable. It made me feel confident, you know? Um, and it was, it was amazing. So big things, big takeaways for anyone that's going through this. I mean, start plotting your escape, start planning your escape. If you've got kids, if you're going to have to go through a divorce, if you're going to have to prove anything in court, you better start documenting. If you haven't already document everything. 90% of it's probably going to hit the cutting room floor when it comes down to court cases, but you need it all. You need it all because they're going to throw everything at you. They're going to take every scenario. They're going to twist it around. They're going to, they're going to, they're basically going to lie. They're going to manipulate all your words, all the things that happened. They'll just flip the script. Oh, I was scared. He abused me. She abused me. Whatever it is, they're going to just take those real scenarios and just turn the page and make it seem like they were the ones that were the victims. 
Don't fall for it. Protect yourself. Document everything. Um, I mean, there's still a lot to go through to kind of unpack, um, because even that was back in 2018. That was, you know, three years ago, um, when that happened. So from there, um, I'm going to continue in another episode, um, what happened after I moved out. And I think that would probably get us completely caught up to date, um, on, um, my experience and how I, um, found myself trapped with a narcissist and how I escaped my narcissist. Um, so I really hope that you are all enjoying this and I hope that you're hopefully being able to relate to this and getting something out of it. Um, even if it's just kind of relating and understanding if you're out of it already, if you're going through it, I hope it's supportive. Um, and it feels, um, maybe just less difficult knowing that there's someone else that's gone through it and someone that successfully made it out. Um, there's a lot of rocky terrain that you need to avoid and you have to be so cautious. Um, but it's possible and you can do it. So thank you all for listening. Um, until next time, I'm going to sign off now. Um, if you want to reach out to me, my email account is on um, my description um, for my podcast. Um, please feel free to reach out to me with any um, concerns you have, or if you just need a, a, an ear to uh, bounce some ideas off of, um, I'd love to hear from you. Um, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it.